What's going on, everybody? Welcome back into another episode of the Dogs Basketball Podcast. Here on the new week, we said we would be to have the season preview today because our home opener is only 12 days away. But we know we have we have some insights of our previous game this last Saturday with Kansas State. Along with, we will preview Alabama, which comes this weekend. I'm Nate Malone, joined by Noah Lurch, as always. No, like I said, 12 days to the opener, but we have one more important game to get to. We have some insight. Brian talked to KMOX. We'll get some more things he said on that, along with he even kind of covered a little bit of the team, and we'll dive through um, a lot of other stuff. But it's going to get here really, really fast. What's up? Yeah, October's flown by here, so um, that means basketball season's just even closer and closer. Um, can't wait for it to tip off. Big opportunity see what we look like against the top 25 team in the country this Saturday. So um excited to see what happens there. For sure, yeah. So we will cover that at the end. Yeah, we'll definitely be able to keep up with that more. I mentioned Kansas State we will cover. We'll talk about actually today, we'll, we'll, that'll be the first thing, is some players are using their NIL to tweet out some of their jerseys. Uh, a couple of former Salukis finding pro opportunities. We'll cover that. Small recruiting update. Uh, and then we'll get into some Valley stuff. We mentioned how we'll talk about, you know, our preseason conference awards and standings picks. Uh, and we might even mention, you know, some, cause we were at, as we've been talking about over the last couple of days, talking about what are some of the best specific teams over the years. And some definitely stick out. We'll try to cover those. And then we'll have our big team preview. We mentioned Brian's interview. We'll get to some stuff he said along with some things that we think along this season We'll try to have a win-loss prediction-ish, and we mentioned we'll cover Alabama, and then by next week, you guys will hear us preview Little Rock. So, no, let's start off with, I mentioned how, it's crazy because we say 12 days till, uh, till the home opener, but we see constantly SoCal Challenge is also having a countdown of their days. I think we're at like 26 or 25 days till that. They've been posting that. Along with mentioning the opener, the dog pound, the first 2,000 students get a free tuition raffle as well as get a T-shirt because it's a maroon out. And pizza will be given out. We'll talk about, obviously, all of that once next week comes. Uh, but I also mentioned how some of the players, and not all of them, just ones we've seen, will retweet them as time goes on. A lot of players have tweeted about their their jerseys. And, no, as we know, it's it, when we were younger, it would have been important. And I think – I remember when I was really young, my parents got me a – really small Darren Brooks jersey and no NIL was way back then but obviously we know it's running rampant now go through some of the players so far that have gotten this they're giving them out and they're about 75 bucks a lot of people will be paying for these this is a good opportunity for some players to get some NIL yeah absolutely if you go on the link uh any any of the ones we retweeted um they actually have the whole roster on there even Chris Cross has got the opportunity as a walk-on. Um, they have Loyola jerseys on there and I think Northern Illinois football jerseys. So, um, yeah, like you said, there's been some players that tweeted out. Marcus tweeted out today. Um, we've seen Dalton Banks, Clarence Trent, uh, Kate Hornecker. Um, players tweeting it out to any, – if anybody wants to uh, send a little money their way and – own one of their jerseys i'm sure uh family and friends will look into that opportunity and uh um i'm sure 
some little kids will want their best or favorite players jerseys. So, um, cool opportunity. Um, I was looking through them and, uh, might be purchasing one here soon. You're right. They'd be cool to have. And I just think about how some people maybe would sell their white ones. We know most of them have, you said the website, I haven't clicked on it yet, but we know the players posted the maroon ones and it's like, well, every team's got white jerseys. Not every team has maroon jerseys. So hopefully or thinking that that's maybe the reason why they went with maroon. Cause those obviously stick. Oh yeah. We'll keep an eye out for those. And if we will make a purchase ourselves, like we said, we haven't been able to do that before. We know football at their games, they have given out in years past, haven't recently, but they need to do the same thing. So that is very cool. Good opportunities for the guys. Now, Noah, uh, as we talked about, and we heard a couple of days before of the potential of this, former Salukis, and we know, you know, Armand Fletcher, one of the best to ever do it. Amazing career. We miss him a lot, his skill set and what he could have been for these last couple of years for this team. Like we said, an all-time great, knowing he got a big opportunity for sure, dive into that along with, like I said, we kind of saw this coming. A former uh, coaching staff member kind of sneak peeked it. Him and then there was another one I don't think got a chance. And then talk about the one that was just on the team last year having a chance. Yeah, uh, Coach Clancy put out um, that he had been getting some calls and hopefully that these guys would get their name called. Um, one of them did, uh, Armand Fletcher, like you mentioned, getting the opportunity um, to get drafted in the, in the NBA G League by the by the uh, Salt Lake City Stars, um, that is the Utah Jazz's G League. So, um, big opportunity there. We know we played overseas last year, and now he gets an opportunity to see see if he can uh, work his way up to the NBA. Um, we know the Jazz are off to a hot start this year, but um, felt like they would almost be a rebuilding team. So maybe a chance to finally maybe eventually get a two-way contract. Um, then Kavion Pippen was the other one that Coach Clancy mentioned. Um, did not get his name called, kind of surprised by it. Um, I think he played in Mexico last year. Um, he'll be playing somewhere this year. And then the other one, Cash Coupette, getting a chance to play or get a uh, training camp invite um, to his hometown team, the Windy City Bulls. Um, obviously the Chicago Bulls affiliation um, up there by Chicago in the suburbs. So big opportunity um, for cash right away. I guess we said, I think last year, and I whether I don't think we said it like on a, a tweet, you know, at the end of the season for him, but we were talking all the time about his pro chances and if he would, you know, take the chance because obviously he has the skill set and it's, it, it seemed like Chicago likes to reward guys and, uh, we know, you know, Javon Maman, who's has big roots in Chicago, well, uh, you know, congratulated him. And it's just great. Because uh, like we said, we didn't know. We're always wondering when the next Saluki is going to be playing in NBA games. You mentioned Kavion. We know years past he had a chance with the Warriors before they dropped him. We remember he dunked on Dwight Howard in a, in a preseason game and stuff. And we talk about him, talked about him recently. If that is a kind of big you need nowadays, like, we know he shot a couple threes at the end of his career, and we were just thinking about because when I was searching his name going back, he had 100 blocks in two years and 600 points. It's like the kind of career he could have had if he had all four years with us, and that's kind of big we would need now, just a dominant post presence. It would be nice 
you're right. He had been playing in Mexico. We've been following that account. I'll have to unfollow it now, now that he's – unless he's still there, other opportunities. Yeah, I hope and, – and even how good he is and his name and his family, that he'd be getting a chance no matter what. But great to see Armand. You're right. Uh, the Jazz were supposed to struggle, tank for that first pick. They're kind of trying to regulate uh, or whatever the word is for tanking in the NBA. But, yeah, they're off to a hot start. Good luck to him. And we mentioned Cash with Chicago or with the Windy City Bulls how uh, there's some players on there that we're familiar with. Javon Freeman-Liberty, another Chicago guy, former Valpo star, as we know, uh, is on that team. And uh, Malcolm Hill is Illini fans, we know. And there's some other players, and Antetokounmpo is on there as well. So he's on a good team. So, yeah, hopefully he can find his way on there and succeed. Uh, so, yeah, really cool. Like I said, we don't, we're looking for the next Saluki to find an NBA opportunity. Uh we just recall, you know, Anthony being the most recent, like pure chance, and he and he got close but never did. So good luck to all those guys. We'll be following their careers, obviously, as time goes on. Uh, so one of the touch on that because that is huge for the alumni. Now, Noah, quickly, unless there's other stuff that you know that's happened around, we'll get to quickly into the valley. But I just remember seeing uh, one of the guys we're in on for 2023, Richard Barron. I think we talked about him on the last two, or at least one of them, about how he's kind of in the top five of ones we were eyeing to add. He's got a big body, nice skill set. He's been on good teams, playing in games with a lot of other good talent. No, he's headed to George Mason, and we know Desmond White went there as well. That is a bummer on that one. We know we have our sights set on other 2023 guys bigger than that. Like I said, missing out on them. George Mason's kind of building something, and then quickly dive into, after that, uh, a big ad that a Valley team made recently. Yeah, obviously. Um, that would be, um, what they're doing out there in George Mason kind of, um, obviously him not ending up in the Valley is a good thing, but obviously, um, player of Richard Barron's calendar caliber, um, would have been nice to add for next year and Desmond White, those two. Um, but yeah, George Mason doing a heck of a job, um, in the recruiting classes. Um, then just other recruiting, there's not a lot going around for us. Um, recruiting wise, uh, don't have a lot of, I think we only have three official offers out for 2023 that I can think of, um, been really looking around 2024, uh, last couple Yeah, we weeks. just got one five minutes ago, right? That offer five minutes ago. Yeah, we did, uh. About to talk about it, Angelo Ciravino, Ciravino, a six-six guard, plays for Illinois Wolves. So maybe that's the first ever Illinois Wolves player we could end up. Obviously, that's a long, long ways away. Um, he's a six-six at six-six, twenty twenty-four. I'll probably um, end up with better offers along the way. Um, so that's a twenty twenty-four guy, but been pretty quiet on the recruiting trail um besides we talked about canard davis taking a visit um cameron carr um who's obviously out of our reach at this point with the offers he has um then there's only one more and tristan gross a six five point guard um that we're really having an offer out to so not a lot going on um like we've mentioned before not sure exactly we know Br or Brendan talked about 
2023 this year. But um, besides Kennard Davis, I'd say we've missed out on a lot of our priority guys. So it may be pretty quiet for here, here for a while. Yeah, you're right. And we were talking about that once we get into the team preview. We're talking about ones that – and we're looking way too far ahead in terms of what we could replace next year in the spots. We know there will be a f- one official spot. They want to hone in on 2023. They got to hit on the one part because we'll get into some comments Brian made about a lot of continuity about, you know, keeping guys around. And he's, he thinks that this team has potential for that. So, uh yeah, it's important to when we know that's gonna leave, you never know can happen open up spots. But yeah, twenty twenty three, they keep they talked about it before. I think they'll keep eyeing it for sure. And then twenty twenty four, yeah, that's just because it just happened, we thought we'd cover it, put them on the list. You're right, it could get out of reach. There's a lot of time between then. So we'll cover obviously everything that happens to us at any point. But you're right, it, it, I I think it will be quiet for a while because we haven't even seen any lists from anybody. Everyone's still taking visits and everything. So so that is for us. And then, no, I mentioned Valley News. Uh, you and I landed a guy that we're familiar with very well. We talked about how there was potential of him. I think we mentioned that on other pods. No, Wes Rubin, half of the Rubin brothers. We know Miles is still on Loyola. And, you know, he gets to go out out of the Valley, and his brother comes back to the Valley. Noah, this is, like I said, this was kind of in the works. And you and, and, you and I fans are excited because they're excited for the 2023 class and their 2024 class looks even better than maybe ones they've ever had. Yeah, their 2023 class is is loaded. Um, The two guys we are in on and Wes Rubin, like you just mentioned, and R.J. Taylor. Um, Then they also added 6'6 forward Kyle Pock out of Missouri um, a couple weeks ago. So um, they are really – Really loading up for 2023, obviously, um, it's going to be an impressive class. I mean, those those three are guys that can probably come in and help that team right away. Um, we know that's a really young team um, up there. Um, besides Austin Fife, I mean, a lot of those guys are underclassmen already on that UNI team. So, um, And I've seen UNI fans talk about uh, 2024 is going to be even better, so they don't have any commits yet, but they're really they're really excited about the future. And Jacob Jacobson just keeps getting it done in the recruiting trail. Yeah, and we've also mentioned before how he needs to get out of his comfort zone in terms of transfers, in terms of players recruiting. We know Chicago is not probably the furthest from and in Illinois, not in general, from like an Iowa school. We know they've kept it close with Iowa, Minnesota guys, like. 95% of the roster have been over the years. We mentioned he's got to branch out a little bit. It looks like that's what he's doing. So he realizes it with the portal and just recruiting in general. That's important to just branch out overall to get better. Cause when you lose a, and we'll get into obviously where we haven't picked blah, blah, blah with where you and I is expected this season won't be anything like what they've had. Cause they lose, you know, arguably the best player they've ever had this year. So in terms of like this year and what they'll be, they got to look ahead to what they can be moving forward. And yeah, this this class and next year's class are going to be important for them. So there's that. And then I just some other things because NBC basketball, I think, is posting. They had a Drake preview today, so they'll get to ours at some point. They've been going through some schools. They've been posting videos with coaches about three minute long interviews and stuff. And Drake's is today, but just in general, I know when Missouri state had their media day, just some things to look out for. And I'm sure obviously our team is 
focused on it, Noah. And we'll, we were talking about it earlier that this could be even more of a problem when Missouri State with Dana Ford saying that they're going to be a lot more versatile defensively this year than in previous years. And they might install more full court pressures. He said that in his immediate thing. I got that was at the very end of the video that I saw. No, that's scary because we'll get into some of the personnel, but they're going to be long and athletic this year. That could be scary. We talked about, and we'll jump into it again, about the differences between last year and this year potentially. Last year, we didn't really get pressed a whole lot. We managed it decently at times. But but when it did happen to us at times, we struggled. No, if Missouri State's doing that to us, they could very well win a lot of games if they succeed doing that. Yeah, and I think they will succeed. I mean, they have a lot of talent. Um, with the transfer portal the way it is, and they they had a really good recruiting class coming in this year. So um, if he does do that, if he coaches differently, takes a new perspective of the talent he has, um, I think it's going to be a lot more better, and they're going to win a lot of ball games this year. They will definitely be a lot. It's kind of like how we view our team. We'll be a lot more athletic and all that stuff. We'll get to that. So now, no, let's let's end the Valley stuff here with before we get to our predictions, we were talking and I know, you know, you went through them and found them all. If you have them on you, obviously. And what we talked about, <clears throat> which <clears throat> which years in recent memory, probably in the last just five or six years, even we can go back even further than that. I think we went back five, six, seven years. Which ones stick out that you recall that you looked up that we talked about of the all-time? Because we think before, because we'll talk about, you know, maybe a freshman list this year. Last year's didn't seem as bad as this year. Let's let's jump into some of the the old freshman teams that stick out and became great players over their career and newcomer and all the all that jazz. What are some ones that stick out in recent memory? Yeah, obviously we the one we go back to is with with Marcus Marcus's class. Um it was him, Donovan Clay, DJ Horn, who's transferred to Tennessee State now, uh, who he got in over Lance Jones that year, Marquise Kennedy, and Jake LaRavia, um, who was in the NBA after he transferred to Wake Forest after that season. So um, that was a pretty good class. Um, there was a couple others. Um, the one that really stuck out to me was, I think it was 2018-19. Um, the all-freshman class was Javon Freeman-Liberty, A.J. Green, Cooper Caves, who had some injuries, was going to be really good for Loyola, decided to transfer. Then Cooper Neese and D.J. Wilkins was on that class. So um, that was a really good class as well. Yeah, there's – it's just it's – it's <laughs> just thinking about how some of these teams have transpired, we, and we'll get to – you know, obviously we talked about what they were for the preseason and you never know how their careers could end up. It's just crazy knowing that literally some all-time greats on those lists. And you mentioned some that got derailed by some and had potential and then things got in their way and just special teams. You know, we went back, remember Sean O'Brien was on one. There was one with like Paris Lee, Malik Yarbrough, all those guys in the last four or five years. Armand was on those teams. Kevion made a third team. Just a lot of – and we know how many teams Cam and Lucas – Williamson, Cam Crutwig were on in their careers. A lot of special ones. A.J. Green was on a lot as well. A lot of special ones over the years. So we wanted to touch on that because that just shows you, obviously, the teams that can over the course of the career end up being all-time ones that you can look back on and stuff. So with that being said, Noah, let's get into – and we'll keep these just some predictions that we have of what we think the Valley season could be with teams and obviously standings. 
we'll go through um we'll just both list off our 12 and and describe it if we like i'll let you start of what you think the standings will end up at the end of the season conference yeah quickly remind everybody what the pre or i'll quickly remind everybody what the actual poll was it was drake bradley southern illinois missouri state uni belmont indiana state murray state valparaiso illinois state uic and evansville um but I think I'm I'm higher on some teams than what the media um, looks like, what the media and the coaches are. So uh, I went with Drake, obviously, um, to win the conference this year. Um, the guys, the guys, they return obviously, and they got a nice transfer in Calhoun from Texas Tech. Um, so I think um, they'll win the league. Uh, I went with Missouri State too. I just think. With the collection of talent he was able to bring in, and if they put it all together like he talked about, taking a different perspective of coaching and maybe pressing with the length and talent they have, I think um, they're going to win a lot of games, like I said earlier, finish second. Um, I went with us third, just like the preseason poll had it. Um, I really like us. We'll talk about them later. I went Bradley four. Um, I just basically – on on the actual poll, I swapped Bradley, Missouri State. Um, I like Bradley. I think us, Bradley, and Missouri State can all be interchangeable. At five, I went Murray State. I'm really high, like I said, with Missouri State, the collection of talent they have, I think they're going to be really good. Six, Belmont. Um, I like Ben Shepard. He's going to lead the way for them. They have some other assets that's going to be really good. Uh, seven, Indiana State. Eight, Valpo. Nine you and I, I'm not high on you and I at all. Obviously, AJ Green's gone. Five don't know what his status is really. Um, it's gonna be a lot of weight on Bowen Bourne's sh- shoulders. So, um, can he pick it up with some other guys um, that are gonna have some big years for them to them be able to compete in the valley? Ten Illinois State. Um, I think they can finish as high as maybe seven. Um, they have some really good players as well. 11 UIC and 12 Evansville. So I got 11, 10, 11, 12, the same for me as the actual media poll. Yeah. And even ours are pretty similar. You're right. There can be a lot of flip flopping. I think, and that's a thing we talked about how, no matter how Missouri state steamed, everybody can prepare for them to be really good with their talent this year. And I agree. I had Drake one and I had, you can, Flip-flop us in Missouri State. I had us at two initially, but you're right. You you couldn't go wrong. I'm high on us as well. We will get to them. Yeah, it's it's the teams that bring in enough talent that we've that we've ironed out and we're, you know, initially, as soon as they happen, said, oh, crap, you know, thinking how much havoc they're going to have this year. I agree with Missouri State. They're going to be that high. So our top our, – our four are the same kind of teams, just a little bit flip-flopped in the middle, but – very interchangeable. Bradley at four, I agree. Led by Rink and Brian Wardle always finds a way. Uh, and then I had, and this was just as much as us in Missouri State at two and three. Yeah, Belmont and Murray State. I, I agree with Murray at five because it seems like knowing initially when they were going to hire prom that he was going to come back in and he's been gone for a little bit, but he's, you know, where he was at Iowa State and just, building up you know he, he's got connections around the whole country whether when it's <clears throat> the players that he's had 
at Murray initially to get to the NBA. He had players go to the league where he was at in the Big 12, and you initially get all those connections, and you're able – that's why we said with Ryan Peden, he had connections to be able to get Luke from Kansas State because he recruited him at Ohio State. So you have those prior connections. and not saying those there's any specifically on Murray State for prom, but it's knowing that he's got connections that can end up finding these kinds of players. I agree. Belmont, you're right. It seems like Casey Alexander is just a really, really good coach. They've been to the tournament. Them and Murray State, we'll get to what Brian mentioned about those two and the, the experience that they bring. Casey's been there, done that just thinking how led by Ben that they will be really good. Indiana State, I think, is the biggest sleeper in the whole thing because they seemed so close last year. And you get and they had so many new players, some D2 players. They added another one. They had a good freshman. They bring in Jason Kent. We mentioned versatility with them a million times. I like them a lot. I had them at seven as well. I had you and I at eight because I think Grant or uh, Jacobson can also find a way no matter and Owen Bourne's going to fight for being obviously one of the best players in the Valley. You're right. If five doesn't play, he changes a lot. They could easily be higher if he was able to play. We don't know the status of him, if he even will. That's something, but I think just uh, Jacobson can't find a way. I have them at eight. Illinois State, I think they have, they had two good of players. I was going through their roster and thinking of Luke Kazabuke and, and uh, Seneca Knight. Just those are just top-notch players. We talked about how they were given our football team fits at the whatever they have. They have good wing players, and they added nice – we know they have quality bigs, and we know they have nice guard play, and they have a really good coach, we're thinking. So I like them for some reason. But I don't think – you said they could be as high as whatever. I agree with that. Valpo led by two players. We know the roster that they have I like. I mean, King and Cricky will take them as far as possible. And, you know, they've had moments – we mentioned how their, their gym, they, we can't win there. So that'll be something we talked about how, uh, or Valpo is one of the teams and we'll go through the schedule that we don't play. They don't come here. We play at their place. So uh, tough place to play that, you know, that'll be tough for us at that point. UIC is interesting. No one's talking about them. Very athletic. Uh, Yakwich is going to have them prepared. Obviously they've, they've been on the up and up. Brian mentioned them, how they're building, but I would say they're near the bottom and then Evans, well, for sure. Evans will be way better than they had been the last couple of years, definitely last year. Uh, that'll be a wait and see with their new head coach. So, uh, our, so ours are pretty similar. You can flip-flop a lot. It's interesting to see how this can play out. A lot of good teams, no easy games this year in the Valley, Noah. So let's dive into what we have for first, second, third team, as well as newcomer team, coach of the year. Like we said, like newcomer of the year and all that stuff, and then a freshman team that you built up, and I'll just go with the flow with you uh, with that because it's hard to find, you know, and it's hard to know outside of top top notch recruits of who's going to come in here and play. So we'll dive into that near the end. Noah, give us your player of the year and first team. We'll just go team by team. My player of the year uh, is exactly who who the media picked. It's Tucker DeVries. Um, I think um, he's far far and the best player in this league. Um, interesting to see how long he stays uh, in the Valley at his kind of talent. Um, does he stay um, like A.J. Green does for a while? Um, interesting to see what happens there. First team, uh, obviously, all my guys were picked by the media for the first team, obviously, because they did six. So, um, But I only have five. It's Ben Shepard, Tucker DeVries, Marcus Damask, Ben Kirky and Rink Mass. Um, I really like those guys. I think um, I shifted off the media 
I shifted Roman Penn off that team to make it five. Um, I really like those five players and excited to see what happens with those five players. Yeah, I had the same player of the year, Tucker. We talked about how he could have went to Creighton. He could have went all so many big schools. We know because of Darren that he's going to build an all-time legacy here if he stays. You're right. As long as Darren – if Drake ends up being the team that they are, it's hard to imagine. We talked about how it's tough for, you know, to recruit outside of where they're from, up in those states. But then it's also hard to leave if they're, like, very homegrown. They're from there. They don't want to leave. They want to keep having success where they're at. So if Darren leaves, Tucker could go with him or they go separate ways. That'll be depending on this year with player of the year, coach of the year, and top team. We'll see after this season. But I agree with that. He's he's very, very good. I mean, he's getting the national attention. Very, very good. And I did have – the only thing I have different is I kept Roman in there. We know that he's going to be hurt. I think he'll be back in the middle of November. And he's been dealing with some injuries, but we know obviously he leads the way for those guys. And we know the guys that they lost last year that, but they have very important players still. And he always leads the way he finds a way to score, to facilitate. If he's healthy, obviously I think he would for sure make a first team. I agree though with Shepard's getting a lot of attention, rightfully so. And I think he's without a doubt going to probably make the first team all depending and then Tucker, Marcus, and Rinkmast as well. Rink will be, as we've said, the best big in the league this year. And then Noah, uh, I'll start off with second team. I'll let you go. I had Bowen because we've talked about he was so good coming out of high school. was good the first couple of years, along with AJ. But now it's his team, especially with no Fife. He's going to have to dominate for that team to be competitive. I think he'll put up enough numbers, and I know you – they can take into account clearly where your team finishes and how you do, but it's kind of like a stats driven thing. Potentially it's kind of like half and half. It does for a lot of sports. I'll have Bowen in there with Lance. We'll get to that about how much, you know, uh, production Lance could have with other people to not have him carrying as much of a load, but I think he's good enough clearly to stay on second team. Garrett Sturt's unbelievable. Um, you know, he's the biggest glue guy in the Valley since I don't even know when. He's one of the all-time glue guys there. Tough defensively, offensively. He'll make you work. Easy third team. Donovan Clay, we talked about him. He's the the main cog on that team, the veteran. We talked about how you said that he was in the class with Marcus and all them back in the day. He's had a heck of a career. He will, he will lead the way for those guys. Maybe not statistically, but just in terms of his effect, he could be second team. And then I had Cricky for sure leading the way for Valpo. Second best big in the league. Very, very good. That's my second team. Who you got? Yeah, my second team's a little different, um, but some of the same. Obviously, uh, I I slid Roman pinned down off that first team. Uh, I have Lance Jones as well, as long along with Garrett Sturts and Donovan Clay. Um, but to finish off my second team, um, I got Rob Perry uh, from Murray State, a Stetson transfer. Really high on him. Um, potential uh, newcomer of the year, I think. Um, very good player. Excited to see what he can do um, in this guard-driven league like we see in, in the Valley a lot. Yeah, then, then for my third team, um, I got Cooper Nice. Going to have a big year again for Indiana State. DJ Wilkins, Bone Bourne, Malevi Leons for Bradley. Then I got uh, James Graham the third from Missouri State, a Maryland transfer. Um, it's going to be really big for them. Good picks. Yeah, some of those guys would definitely be on newcomer as well. Uh, and we talked about how maybe someone 
it's tough to say, obviously, if they'd be good enough for third team, some of these new guys outside of Shepard, I suppose, and any of them could. Uh, I think the only, the only one I have is Pop Weathers for third team because not only do you get it, I think he's just had a lot of hype since he's been there. And Bryant's talked about him a lot. He's got to fill tough shoes with how great Terry was last year. We talked about how he scored like 500, 400 something points in his one year there. Just an all time season that he had. I think if we know Bradley's got, you know, more great supporting cast, if they finish, you know, third or fourth, you know, they're going to have to be led by someone else other than Rink. And I know they still have Tava Ninen and they have a healthy Henry. But I like Pop Weathers' ability to step into that, you know, starting uh, guard role and take control with assists, points, whatever they need him to do. I'll go with DJ Wilkins, too. He's one of their best shooters. He's one of their best scorers. I think he'll be the third leading fiddle on that team, without a doubt. Uh, and I had Cam Henry. You had uh, you had Cooper Nice, rightfully so. He He's a heck of a scorer. We mentioned how he kind of struggled at the end of the year, but he gave people fits for like a three, four or more game stretch there for a while. Uh, I'll go with Cam because he was so tough to guard this past year in the games that we played against him, and he gets more footing in the Valley. He knows what to expect now. He's just an overall really good player. I'm kind of just trying to keep it different. I like Cam. I think he's got the ability to. Kobe King for sure. Him and Crick are going to carry that team, and I think he'll put up more numbers. They don't even have a guy like Kithier in their way. That's why we think maybe they'll be near the bottom, but Kobe is definitely going to score and be use that experience on his side. Like we said, he almost didn't come back. He used his extra eligibility. And then I'll go with uh, Malevi Leones. I think you know we're both going to have him on here, I believe. Um, he was so good last year. He he doesn't miss a whole lot. He's a, he, he blocks shots. He's arguably their – we talked about – I mentioned the other players on Bradley, but he's up there with the top three or four on the team. He's just a mess. We remember last year he was – we were talking about initially maybe newcomer of the year, how good he was going to be, Noah. He wasn't like to the utmost great because we ended up finding out how he played. But, Noah, he was really, really good his first year, and I think he'll only carry that. Who you got? Yeah, um, I really I really like Malevi. Hopefully um, he could take that next step, and I think he will. Um, just some awards here, um, that I got coach of the year. I went with Darren DeVries. I think Drake, uh, winning the league again, um, obviously you can give it to, um, I think Brian has a good chance of getting it. If we can finish, um, uh, maybe second in the league, close to Drake or Dana Ford. Um, you could give it to one of the new coaches and maybe if they finish top three, um, in Murray state and Belmont wouldn't surprise me there. Um, but I went with Darren DeVries there. Yeah, that's definitely for sure safe pick in terms of what they'll be, especially if they if they're good enough to run away with the conference or anything like that, have a great non-con, just have a great overall season. He could be coach of the year and his potential if he does leave. If he's if if the whole team is that good at winning the awards and such. I did go with Brian because I think if we remain where we're picked and we, you know, prove everybody right that our picking us this high. Uh, knowing how we were in the middle of the pack, couldn't beat any team ahead of us except Bradley once and then beat everybody else. We were kind of in the middle of the pack year before that. We know Marcus got hurt, but our team was bad. We finished ninth in the conference, and I think if he could propel in a new year, fresh year, to be up high, I think he could get a lot of votes for sure. We know he you know, he had a lot of votes in his first year, uh, picked 10th and finished 5th. So there's a lot of potential there if we do live up to where everybody has us for coach. Noah, dive into now uh, newcomer. 
Yeah, newcomer of the year. Um, I think it's Ben Shepard's to lose if he's eligible for it. Um, but I put next. I put next to him. I got Rob Perry. Um, if it has to be a new transfer, um, to to a team, I'm not sure how they'll do it. So, I think either either of those guys. Obviously, I'd been on the first team and Rob on the second team. I think. Um, but there's a lot of new faces transfer wise to this league. So I'm excited how that award plays out. Yeah, I agree. Rob Perry's a step, probably gonna be Murray's best player, and we know they're just talented overall. Looking forward to watching him for sure. You're right. I don't we don't know the for sure rules. A new team to the whatever can be then. I think clearly that's the case. I'll go with Ben for newcomer of the year as well, because he is first team for us. I'll go with Luke. Uh Kazabuke because if Illinois State's going to have us, they're good. But if I think he could be their leading scorer and propel and be a player that was clearly deemed to play at a Kansas State and get recruited by Ohio State and all that such. We talked, we were devastated when he came here because we were kind of in on him. And he's in the conference. I think there's no reason how he can't, you know, score and be on a team like this. And then Chance Moore, we've talked about how he's a four star Arkansas player. When we found out he was coming, it was like, there, there goes Dana Ford again. I don't think he's been mentioned for a while from a lot of people, a lot of other players for sure. I think I'm kind of excited to see him and if he can live up to the four-star. So I think he could play well enough, be one of their best players to be on this. They have a lot of potential players to be on this list. And I'll go with James Graham to finish that out. So two Missouri State players. You mentioned Graham was one on your or on one of your teams. For sure, I think they'll be arguably two of the best players on that team. Now defensive, Noah. Yeah, really quick. Uh, for my newcomer team, I had Rob Perry, Sadar Calhoun for Drake, Ben Shepard, Kenny Strawbridge uh, for Evansville, then James Graham. Um, then my defensive um, my defensive MVP, I'm going with Donovan Clay. Um, I think it's a battle between him or Lance. Uh, but my defensive team, I got Clay, Lance, DJ Wilkins, Garrett Sturts, and DJ Burns um, for Murray State. Yeah, DJ could very well. We mentioned how Rob's probably the best player on that team, but DJ, because he's a returnee, he's one of the few that have stayed there that I like those. Like, I forgot to do a defensive team, but I know, obviously, and with his length, wouldn't be surprised one bit. Uh, we know Malevi has a chance. I think I'll put him on there along with, I agree, with Garrett, uh, Don, Lance, and uh, yeah, DJ's got clamps. There's probably others around the league that I can't think of off the top of my head. But uh, agreed 100%. <clears throat> for a defensive player of the year, that's tough. We'll get into Lance a little bit and if he can sustain sole things that he was really good at year by year. Uh, I think Clay is a safe pick. I think if everyone else is offensive on that team and they're going to be, you know, good on both sides, but he's going to – because I don't think he's not even going to be close to leading them and scoring potentially. He's got to carry them on defense. I agree with that. I'll pick him for defensive, Noah, and then – and then the thing that's definitely hard to choose of who's going to play, we have a really good idea, clearly, of who's top recruit. Like I said earlier, let's dive into freshman. Yeah, freshman. Freshman of the year, um, I'm excited for to see if some of these freshmen can play. Freshman of the year, I went with Christian Jones for UIC, um, a former Missouri commit before <clears> – <throat> excuse me – before the coaching change over there, um, kid out of East St. Louis, um, really, really talented player, I think. Um, he can really play, but on the all freshman team, obviously hard to pick. Um, I had Christian, I have Damian Mayo, um, a three star Missouri State uh commit. 
Um, I think he can come in, make an impact out of a prep school right away. Um, Jacoby Gillespie, um, a, a six-foot point guard for Belmont. Um, I think he really gives depth in that ring position uh, and the handle of the ball as well, makes some good plays. Um, then I got Sam Murray. Um, he's Murray State's best recruit, a, a four-star at six eight. I think he can make an impact right away. Um, then I have a guy we're pretty familiar with, with a Robbie Avila. Um, I think he'd come in and be a backup big man for um, Indiana State and really help the Sycamores out there. Yeah, we talked about because I mentioned in Indiana, like we haven't heard of Robbie in a while, but he's in, in terms of like me and you talking about potential. We know he was going to be a really good freshman this season, but uh, just knowing that he's obviously in the videos, Indiana State's posting and he's going to be a key cog. You're right. Not sure if he'll start right away. They're going to groom him to be obviously an all timer there and starting for years to come. Yeah, you're right. They got a lot of they got some more players that could fill in to start. He'll he'll whatever his way in there. Josh will can't can't disagree with any of those. We know Murray for sure was one that we remember because we know their staff was tweeting the the horse emoji and he was one of them. And you see how talented that he is. And we know Murray's got like one of the deepest classes. We know Missouri State's got one as well. You mentioned one of their players in Mayo. Uh, we know NJ Benson had a who we were wanting and went there, had a video recently, and we know they got like Jonathan Dunn. They got a there's a, a lot of good freshmen. You mentioned Belmonts and stuff, so a lot of that's up in the air. But I'd say that list you just had are definitely easily gonna be one of the tops. And we know we got one, but not sure his status, not sure if obviously he'll even be in any contention with that. We mentioned last year how tough it was to make him at one point we thought oh is Troy going to potentially be in one and then he he had good stretches and then he went stretches where he didn't do much or didn't play so we're not going to have one on there again so we'll be looking out for these freshmen around the valley this year so now no with all that being said good rundown we'll visit these as time goes on see how right we can be by the end of the year it's so fun like a newcomer of the year I think it's the most fun with the new fresh faces in the valley we know we have those as well Potentially, I remember when I was doing that, I kind of had a feeling of putting one of our player, one of our newcomers on there, but I didn't. Uh, which, by the way, is there? There's a six man of the year. I think I just forgot that we do. Did you have one for that? I didn't think of that one. Until just now. I did. I have a guy that should have won it last year um, for Indiana State and Xavier Bledson. Good pick. He torched us when he came to SIU Arena. He had moments we can't defend him at all. That's why the Indiana State's deadly. That's a nice one. Like I said, we don't know who's going to be coming off the bench and stuff. That's kind of a hard one to pick. But if they had Jason Kent in there, the safe to say Bledson will probably keep coming off the bench. Never know. So, like I said, with all that being said, no, let's dive into our team and, you know, the potential of what we can be this year. We'll go through players and we'll mention some other things as we go on. But let's start off with that Brian interview that he had with KMOX. We know as soon as uh, Brian uh, talked with uh, – we know this was going to happen. They posted, Mike posted the link, couldn't do it, but it is on Spotify. If everyone wants to go find it, search uh, sports. What is it again? The people can search it and find it on Spotify and stuff. If you search uh, sports on a Sunday morning uh, with Tom Ackerman, it is on there. It is, Brian is on the episode called It's Time for College Hoops, Hour One. Uh, there's a good Travis Ford interview on there. Um, then a pretty good one with Brian. You're right. And there was one with Travis Ford and he had a lot of, they're going to be very deep. As we know, we got some more insight from Travis on uh, some other players that a lot of people probably aren't familiar with that 
will be a factor and you'll be hearing their names against us when we go to Chaffetz Arena in December. Uh, they will be so, so tough to beat. It's incredible. So that was just a small sneak peek of players that no one's heard about that we will talk about once that game comes around. They will be so good. And to end to Brian's interview now, now before we talk about some Kansas State insight that we had, uh, Brian, you know, was asked a lot of questions about what this team could be, asked about, you know, some of the games to start off the year. He mentioned the Alabama game. And, you know, as we know, there, you know, there's an option for you can have exhibition non-D1 games. Uh, but Brian felt like, you know, this was a good opportunity. Alabama has these kinds of charity exhibitions a lot. And Brian said he wanted to be kind of a tune-up for the start of our season for the Little Rock game. Uh, and he says he, he knows Nate Oates pretty well. And it's, you know, Noah, he mentioned how, uh, you know, it doesn't count towards the record. He wanted one of these games. And we talked about how what we preferred. It would be, granted, if it's at home, we love to see a warm-up of the team and what we look like before we just straight up start regular season or see a box score from a certain game. Uh, we know that having an opportunity like this, we know we'll get to Kansas State. You want to play these good teams, especially if you can compete – those are battle, battle-tested games. We've talked about this. I just want your thoughts on that again, and you can dive into something else you took from Brian's interview. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's different different types. Obviously, um, we've seen the last couple of years, teams come in, and some teams have played us pretty well. Um, in those exhibition games that are Division II schools, um, but obviously, um, if you do that, I feel like, obviously, you could kill them, but you can probably adjust more, maybe find a, a better flow of a rotation or different lineups you want to see out on the floor um, because, I don't know, I just feel like obviously it's a big opportunity to test us against a top 25 team um, with a team that brought in the number th number three recruiting class. Obviously it's a good test, but I feel like if you go down there and you just get blown out, I just don't know how much – Obviously, you see how far far away you are from a team like that, but um, I don't know. I just – it's kind of bland to me. I don't really really like – obviously, it's a charity thing, so that's obviously good, but um, I'd like to see – obviously, get to see it, be able to sit down and watch it um, if you play a non-D1 opponent at home. So, um, I'd rather see a Division Two tool come in and see – Kind of see what what we have. Obviously, um, those teams come in and want to want to beat us, but so we got to be on our game. But I like to see the different flow. I like to see it in person instead of um, going to play a team like Alabama. But if we play well, I, I can be whatever I'm saying right now is completely wrong. I guess we could be saying next week. Yeah, I'm about sixty five thirty five on it. I would I would prefer to watch us. But I'm about, but I know playing a team like that can be good for the team. And we'll get to, we, you know, we were competitive this past weekend. And not saying that that team is anywhere near Alabama. We know they could be missing a player. We'll get to that. Yeah. But I'd much rather see how it can flow against a bad team. Maybe you can blow them out, get the chemistry going. We know they have that potentially. They can have that in these games, but it's definitely would be better to see them in person and potentially blow out somebody. Even though we talked about if you blow out somebody, what good can that do compared to even you getting blown out and learning something or staying competitive with a really good team? You really can't go wrong. And that's the road that they chose to do this year. And Brian likes that idea. So shout out to Alabama for letting us do it. You're right. For a good cause either way. So in that aspect, it's very good. Uh, you know, he just asked him about things that how, you know, 
whenever he got here and got the job where he's been, he said when he only took over, there are only three players on scholarship. Uh, and they're looking to build year by year. As we know, he mentioned, you know, championships again. And I mentioned earlier the continuity that he wants. He said that remains important. We've talked about that, Noah. At the end of last year, I remember Brian had a message for everybody that we that we you know, or that we mentioned and just how important that is. And he said, that he, like we said, he has a roster built to sustain that. He said this is the oldest team that they've had and the team with the most depth. And he mentioned how competitive these players are. Uh, no, I mean, obviously that's key. When you have a – and we'll dive in the personnel. Everybody knows the personnel. We'll just get our thoughts on how the season can play out. Let's talk about it in this sense, how, you know, last year we had a mix of old – like, we know Cash was the oldest on the team. We've had that in years past. Barrett Benson was the oldest. In between that, we didn't really have – and that down year, we didn't – I mean, who really stuck out? We had some new faces, but no one really was head and shoulders above one another. There was just too many new faces on that team, though. So this team with the oldest team and the – competitiveness and other aspects we'll get to, but having an older team can obviously do teams wonders. We've seen that in the Valley. That's why Drake's going to succeed this year. They're old. They're one of the oldest teams in the country. Everyone talks about that. They're probably the oldest got 25 year olds on the team. No, I think that's pretty vital. And Brian takes a lot of pride in that. And he seems really excited about the team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, having, having guys that have the experience and know what to expect um, with the three guys in their first class still here, um, really can make a big impact on this team. Um, having guys and you bring in some transfers, um, which you know, Jawan Newton, he played his whole career in the Valley, so he knows not what to expect. Then you bring in guys like Xavier, um, who has a, a very good um, no coming from a good conference, um, playing in one of the best uh, mid-major conferences. So he knows what to expect bringing that. Then you bring in a guy like Clarence, um, who just played an elite – he went to the Elite Eight last year. So, um, he knows what the taste of success, bringing these guys um, that now have the the talent um, that we need and have the experience to put it all together um, to compete for a Valley Championship. I think that was vital for Brian and the squad. It seems like when you, when you know you need to improve in certain ways in building a team, you need to get bigger. You need to get guys with experience – and that's why whenever we landed a Clarence, it's like this dude just played here. We don't know, and he's so young, he's got a lot of room to grow. So definitely exciting. I'll run through a couple more things here, Noah, and then I'll get your thoughts on one of the biggest things that he said and something that will segue us into the team, maybe one of the first topics. He, he was asked about how successful – he was asked about the Missouri Valley and adding new teams and how, uh, you know, how good potentially the conference can be. And he mentioned how successful Missouri Valley has been in the tournament – and uh, mentioning Murray and Belmont with their success and, you know, with the three new additions that the conference gets tougher and how every game comes down to the wire. We know we had a lot of those last year, and that seems to be the case. That's why the Valley is known as one of the best mid-major conferences in the nation, one of the best conferences as a whole in the nation. So you add those tough teams will be very, will be very strong as a conference. He, he did mention, you know, obviously his years and Loyola's years and we've had two final four teams in the last 11 years and all that stuff. So the Valley is successful and will only continue to be with these new teams and reiterated again, how I think Tom Ackerman said, he'll be doing a game when Murray comes to the place at the end of the year, comes to the Ben Terrace center and how special it'll be with the community. We know Brian preaches that a lot, the tradition. And he said, they, we want to do things better than they've ever been done before. Uh, which is a tall task, he, but he mentioned how great the history and tradition is 
It won't be easy, but obviously you want goals like that. He mentioned that. And then he mentioned Marcus. We'll talk about Marcus more, uh, how great, because I think Tom was just going off a script that he had of just, you know, flowing through things that maybe even didn't make sense or some things in general that seemed like obvious about Marcus has the, uh, the sense about him to play great. We know Brian mentioned how good his passing is. And the fact that Brian said he's now healthy, you know, currently healthy, we'll, we'll get to maybe, you know, he's obviously been hurt the last couple of years off and on. Then he mentioned Lance and he said, you know, Lance Jones can make seven straight shots and carry a team. And Brian pretty much confirmed that saying how, how much we know Lance is and the kind of player that he is. He said Lance had another great summer. It's kind of what he said about Lance last year as well. Then know this one, we'll get into it. Cause he, cause Tom asked him about the trenches and how it is in the paint back against the basket kind of guys. We have a couple of those. We have one that might space the floor. We'll just, whenever we talk about the team, we'll just talk about other things, but we'll hone in on this right now. He mentioned all four bigs, Noah, which is obviously something that caught our eye. Dive into what he said about them and the potential of all of them. Cause we mentioned, is K going to play blah, blah, blah. Still might not be the case, but he mentioned all four. No, let's dive into that part. Yeah, obviously, um, starting with JD, um, a guy that's been in this program now, um, going on his third year. Um, this is probably he just got kept kept getting better. He said um, during the conference play last season, and obviously um, he's finally healthy and he's gotten so much better. So um, JD's going to be play. He brings the energy and a big factor. Um, then you bring in a guy like Clarence. Um, who can stretch stretch the floor a little bit. Uh, I'm sure he's improved. Um, he did that for St. Peter's last year um, in the tournament, stretched the floor a little bit, can knock down um, some open shots. Um, so it's big time adding him um, to this team. Um, then a guy I'm really excited about, and Scotty Abube, um, at his sides with, the, with his footwork and hands he has um, defensively blocking shots. I'm really excited to see him take the floor this year. Um, then obviously bringing in a guy like Cade, um, he has three guys he can learn behind. Not sure. Um, you may get to see him a little bit this year. Not exactly sure. Wouldn't be surprised if he's redshirted. Yeah, I know. And that quick, and I agree with all of that, that, you know, we'll expect everything definitely from those first three. And you're right. Might not see Cade because no, let's segue now. Before we talk about it more after this, because we talked about how the Kansas State game was this past weekend. Uh, we didn't know if we were going to hear anything about it, but we do have some more information. I'll let you dive into it. But how we found out about it initially, thankfully, and a lot of teams do this, and we had a film we weren't going to, but Kansas State thankfully posted a highlight video, which granted had all the good plays from Kansas State. Uh, you know, in the action, some of these games, there's nothing – you know, they show a couple of turnovers that we had, just everything good that happened with them. We don't know what, you know, necessarily completely happened good with us. Just highlights, no, we let up, you know, it seemed like we allowed a lot of transition points, allowed them to shoot. Some other things that stick out from the video, and just because we mentioned Cade, we don't see Cade in any of these highlights, which it's like, well, even if you could play in a game like this, but we know if he doesn't play, it could mess with the, the rhythm and everything of the current players that will play. So it's like, why not even play them? You never know, Noah, but dive into more insight that we have about this game. Like we said, we're thankful to, cause we didn't think we would. Yeah, absolutely. Obviously um, was checking the, obviously the message boards of Kansas state, obviously you can check Saluki insider. Um, 
but I got on my 24-7 account and, was, and found a little bit. Um, from what we know, Kansas State won. We've seen from six to ten points. I think it's on the lower end that I've talked to some more people. I think we Kansas State won the scrimmage by six points. Um, SIU led for most of the game. Um, we were held in the 50s for scoring, um, but we did know that we shot poorly from three. Um, so um, that's not a good sign, obviously, a first scrimmage and live action against somebody that's not your teammates. Um, apparently, Marcus didn't play great. Um, obviously, we know we've talked about a lot. He struggles against the more athletic teams. So um, with all the athletic guys in the conference, it's kind of scary that he would struggle. But we know how great a player he is. Um, but we do know, I was told, that Lance was out with a concussion, so he did not play in that game. Um, but you can what I was I jokingly said when I told you it sounds about right um, that we get held in the fifties when it came to a game. That or the fact that Lance has a concussion because they're going really hard in practice and Lance, you know, can kind of play that way and hit his head on the ground or anything. And we talked about how the takeaways from this are there's really no negatives. You mentioned how we didn't, you know, this was our first action against somebody else especially of this caliber. You mentioned Lance didn't play for us. We know they have good players. Keontae Johnson, who we know collapsed on the floor a couple years ago for Florida. He worked his way back, which is an amazing story. He's on there. We saw him, you know, I don't think I saw him in any of the pure highlights, but we know he was shooting in warm-ups whether he played or not. But you mentioned how we scored in the 50s that, you know, obviously Lance improves that. You know, Lance also takes enough shots to where it takes it away from everybody else that did score to make our score the way it was. But, no, I would say if you don't have Lance and you only lose by six or so, and even with Marcus struggling and can't shoot threes and we – whatever, I think that obviously can be a good sign, you know, especially with a team like that, no matter how they're deemed. We talked about uh, – and off the top of – where was Kansas State picked in the uh, Big 12 to start the year? Do you know off the top of your head? We talked about it a little uh, bit. Bottom two. Bottom two, and we talked about how they have a new coach and everything. So, we mentioned it was played in Kansas City and – just think, thankful to get highlights. I don't think that, like I said, there's when you barely lose, and we were expecting Kansas State would have been a team that we thought maybe we could have beat. When you don't have Lance, that changes a lot. You're able to only lose by six. We saw Foster in there. Like I said, there's no pure highlights of us doing anything good that they posted. We know we did. And then you say that, you know, maybe there was a word that we were – I think there's a they had a picture up of, like, the scoreboard at times – that had them maybe a six-point lead, that maybe we were leading a little part of the game and then kind of blew it in the second half. Isn't that what you heard as well? Yeah, that um, that we led for – I wouldn't say majority of the game, led for most parts of the game. Um, but I guess the the, the cold three-point shooting and Marcus um, not being um, – playing very, very good um, cost us the game probably in the end. But, um, yeah, Kansas State – I mean, obviously Lance probably changes a little bit of that. Um, he can carry us down the stretch if Marcus um, is struggling. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like you said, new program with uh, Coach Tang coming from Baylor over there as an assistant. Um, a lot of transfers in over there. Um, but um, they could be competitive in the Big 12. I know that's a really good conference. Um, but like you've seen in our media polls, um, obviously not our picks, but other media polls. If you have a lot of turnover, 
you're going to be picked in the league. So they could be a lot better than picked in the bottom half or the bottom of the Big 12. Yeah, and also means it doesn't mean Jack, you know. If wherever you're picked, no matter how, you know, you can obviously prove them wrong. We're thinking they will for sure with the other teams that are near like, you know, they might get up to halfway. You never know. They're definitely talented. I said I didn't know if Keontae Johnson played. I think I see him in one of these pictures they posted as well. So, yeah, I mean, they had maybe everybody that they needed, and we only lose by six, not two in six-ish. Not too upset about that, especially, like we said, with not having Lance at all. And we got to see, you know, Foster in there in the mix and stuff. So just a, a good first action against somebody else, and you had a chance to win. That's all we know. So it's just, just thankful to have information on that in general. So now, no, let's dive into – we know we talk about the team. We'll get into the, maybe some of the team with uh, – we'll get to some topics through our players. Like we said, everybody knows the players to this point. But I think the most important thing is, Noah's talking about a potential rotation. Let's dive into, because we'll get the information this Saturday about what a starting lineup could be. And granted, it's against an Alabama who's got size and length and stuff and just really talented. That starting five could be different than what we clearly see against Little Rock. But Noah, outside of just what we see this weekend, going into the year, what we think the the rotation can be, because obviously it's important. We've tried to narrow it down countless times, almost like you go through them. And you try to decide who it is, and then you one moment, then you think, then you think and forget about somebody else on it. Thinking will be pretty deep. No, let's dive into about, like I said, what the potential rotation can be. We we know some surefire starters, but some I think are up in the air. Let's let's dive into it. Yeah, obviously, um, if you listen, if you like last year at the beginning of the year, I think Brian said it, but if you kind of kind of listen to how he talked in their interview. He's really excited about this team and the deepest and the depth of this team. So um, I think he mentioned in part of the interview um, about potential matchups they can play. And I think they might do this with the, with the starting rotation. I'm not sure. Um, obviously we know Marcus and Lance um, are going to start for sure. Um, you would expect Xavier to start at the point guard position. So Lance can play that two spot. Um, having those two in the backcourt, um, one of the best duo backcourts um, in the conference. Uh, then you would like to think, uh, personally, I would I would like to see maybe Troy start at that four spot, um, but I also think Brian loves to play small ball, so um, could see Trent Brown maybe playing that three spot. Um, it'd be a smaller, smaller, smaller wing at that spot, but I'd like to see Troy at that four. Or you could see him go big, because um, you know Clarence can, Clarence and JD, um, they can switch on to a guard and they can guard a guard. But I think with some of the bigger teams that we might see, um, I know you'll see one Saturday, could start big, have JD play that five spot, and Clarence that could stretch the floor a little bit. Obviously, I think it'll hurt the spacing on offense a little bit more, um, but. I'm really interested to see what matchups they play. I think Brian and the staff um, can do a lot of things with the depths and the pieces we have. Yeah, I remember just saying in general, it was times last year that I would be, and whether it's how you start or definitely throughout a rotation, that you want to do matchups. We, we've talked about certain things. Just as an example, Darnell Brody, if he's starting for them, as an example for Drake, you know, you're going to start big for the most part. It's probably going to be a JD-ish to start out with. And whenever he comes out, because J.D. can guard one through five, it just depends who else is behind a Brody. 
if he comes out, then I'm not saying in the moment you take JD out. We know even if he's, you know, scoring around the rim and having a own like a run of his own, it seems like you still, and he'll probably need a breather at that point anyway. And then as soon as Brody comes back in at whatever point, I think actually I say all this saying that we didn't have the big depth that we had confidently like we expect to have this year. So I think like that example probably wouldn't play into much of an effect. But you're right. Brian said like more of matchups, which I think is what they should do. Yeah, I don't think we should be dead set on any type of starting five because I agree with you. I think Troy played last year being the only freshman that played deserved to play a four man because you mentioned it. I mean, I in general, I think, JD's here to start. I think that's probably what's going to happen, um, whether we think it's unfortunate or not. Just saying who's behind him, who needs to play. Brian did say, yeah, that's the most healthy he's been in his whole college career, it seems like, or since he's been here, obviously. Then I think if that's the case, he's going to play a lot. And we were honestly expecting him to leave before the year. Just didn't know how it was all. And when we got Clarence and we knew Scotty was going to play, as a like, how is this going to work? It'll be interesting because – I think Marcus, at the times of his career, thrived most when he was the trailer. When he was the four and he was coming down with the point guard to set up everything, we know everything's run through him, whether that'll happen again this year, take some load off him, we'll dive into maybe some minute restrictions. I'll let you dive into that once we get through talking about the starters and rotation. I think for sure it's X, Lance, and Marcus. And then after that, Troy, Clarence at the four. It says Clarence is 245. It's honestly... He's. I think his his height makes up for that because when you watch him when he was at St. Peter's, he wasn't like overly huge. I think he's like strong because he even looks not totally skinny, but he looks thinner here on the pictures they post. He doesn't look like a straight up five, even though that's what he kind of played for St. Peter's. And they had a shot blocking guy that followed Shaheen to uh, St. Uh, to God, what am I thinking of? Seton Hall and. Uh, so I think Clarence, he had to guard some of those best bigs. And I think that'll test it for him alone could be a five. Because you think, oh, is Clarence capable of being a trailer? He can knock down the three. Brian said it. I think we would trust him to. Not sure how many that would be a game. It's like whether you trust those guys on the floor at the same time. But I think with the three that you definitely want to play, they have to be on the court at the same time, barring foul trouble and everything. So it is strange because I know behind the potential five, let's say it's X, Lance, Marcus. Clarence and JD that start the year because I feel like if you Xavier is a surefire starter you don't bring Clarence in unless he clearly doesn't earn it to come in and start that that's the five let's think about who could be straight off the bench we mentioned how that seems perfect for a Jawan Newton he's been there done that he's going to be one of our top scorers like we'd like to th- like we'd think and like for it to happen, Noah, we're thinking he could be a really, really good sixth man and then follow up the potential of players we have that could fill in for that next five with this depth that we're hoping we can get a lot of players into the game. Yeah, obviously it's going to be um, – I think it'll be pretty difficult to get all these guys. Obviously we talked about the big rotation, um, depending who starts. Um, obviously um, you'll have Clarence, you'll have – Scotty, who um, is going to be incredible off the bench, excited to see what he has. And you have Cade, um, if necessary, or if he's proven um, up to this point that he needs minutes, um, you can play him as well. Um, but obviously we know Dalton Banks expected him. Um, Hurdy's improved really good this offseason. 
So um, hopefully he takes that next step um, in his third year here. Um, excited to see how much improvement he's had. Um, can't forget about new transfers and AJ AJ Ferguson, who we're kind of excited about with his length at that six six length that can shoot the ball from three, but he can do um, a lot on the defensive end. Um, excited to see how he fits in there. Um, but uh, another guy redshirted last year. Excited to see uh, how he's developed. And that's Foster Wonders, um, best shooter on the team. So excited to see um, what kind of role he has. Yeah, and we saw him in those highlights against Kansas State that we're thinking whether he – I think he was play, he would play regardless, but because Lance didn't play, that you know they had to have more bodies and the fact that he was in there. And we mentioned how maybe we didn't shoot the three as well. Hopefully Foster got a lot of those shots up and whether they went down or not, as long as he's shooting them and get confidence and he's getting Kansas State players to guard him, I think that's good for him. Yeah, and that's where we think about – the team can almost be too deep. If you even take Kate out of it, that's, you know, close to, a, you know, 10, 11 guys that uh, – and we didn't even mention Trent Brown, and that's where it's weird is because he's 100% healthy, and we know what he can do when he's healthy. He was a starter, but that's when you didn't have the depth that you have this year. Trent can be a great player right off the bench, or he could start, but you're not – and that would be if you start Marcus at the four – but if we did that, it's like, well, that's when we think Jawan could be. But Jawan's got to be – I think, you know, it, I think Jawan needs to come off the bench to provide that, like, almost surefire scoring off the bench whenever some of the other guys aren't in there to help that second unit. But Trent, you know, could put a wrench in the whole thing with starting and coming off the bench. It's interesting. And we know he's the best leader on the team and everything. It's going to be so nice. And we'll get to some X factors on the team that, heck, he could potentially be one of those. You mentioned – AJ, I think, and we'll get to him. He's interesting how he fits into this. You mentioned what he can do. And then, yeah, I think Foster will fill in nicely. And you mentioned Dalton. If he's improved and you take the weight off his shoulders, like let's say we didn't get an Xavier, but I think they honed in on him. He was one of our first gets. He was our first get for this new season way back that you take pressure off Dalton because you they, you know, they honed in on a, a point guard that they wanted. And they maybe we know Dalton had a struggle to the end of the tournament. But if he's back and be able to be the backup point guard that he definitely can be good at, I mean, that's just key. So a lot of options, and you throw in Troy if he's a starter coming off the bench, a whole lot of options. And Brian is right. This is definitely the most depth we've had in a while. So, no, that's that's a bit of the rotation. It's hard to say. I think we'll get a better taste of it when we preview Little Rock about whenever this uh, Alabama game passes and what it looks like then. We'll get a bigger test, and we'll probably talk about it a little bit more for – Little Rock. Now let's dive into uh, minutes. No, we talked about this earlier. Heck, the guy who, and we've talked about it, a little bit of wear and tear. No, with this depth, it seems like Marcus needs to not play as much. You want to play your best players. But because we're this deep, it almost seems like you don't need to play him as much as he did. You mentioned how he's one of the tops in the country. And to dive into that a little bit, that his workload needs to go down a little bit if we want to sustain a long season and be able to have him healthy down the stretch. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been, I've been on this since um, he was a freshman um, at time uh, last year. Um, I don't know if he finished. I assume he did, um, but he was top five in minutes played um, per game in the country. Um, the injuries he's been through obviously with the foot and now he had surgery on the hip. Um, it's just crazy um, 
that you would continue um, to put pressure on that body. Obviously, he's fullback. He's fully healthy, and that they say. Um, but I just don't want to see more because we've seen what happens when he goes down. We saw that exactly. We'll be playing on Thursday again if that, I think, um, if that happens. But obviously, he's a big part of this team. He's our best player. Um, but we have too many guys that I think can take the workload off him. Um, I even mentioned today um, that we have a very bad three – we can break it down when we get to the home stretch of the three games um, that are just terrible in our non-conference, but you could even give them a game off in one of those. Um, but there's guys on this team that can step up that are proven um, that we can make his minutes go down this year. Um, he doesn't need, need to be playing um, almost, I think it ended up being like 37 minutes last year per game. I'm kind of half and half on the thought that if it could happen, definitely should happen, that if it'll happen, because I think that example right there of why it should is just the depth. I mean, we've said it three times on this topic already. You know, the past couple of years, you couldn't really count on some guys. Marcus had to play. You know, the depth wasn't there. That, and granted, yeah, if you there's a stretch of the game, like Brian said, a lot of your games are going to come down to the wire in conference and non-conference potentially. You got to have Marcus on the court, but that's managing, you know, he can play the first six minutes of the first half, depending upon how he's doing. If he's on fire, you leave him in, but you still give him a break in between. We know we struggled at times watching at home, even when we were able to catch road games, we were almost like yelling, like take him out like right now in this moment. Cause it was kind of off, right? Noah, last year we were talking about how, you know, it was kind of weird how like when they were putting him in, when they were taking him out. I just think they need to manage him better in that aspect because we have AJ, we have Foster. If you expect these guys to play and you can count on these guys, if you don't count on those guys, it's going to be tough. And, yeah, Marcus is going to have wear and tear like he's shown. He doesn't have the the body and everything. He's he's so athletic, we know, but, you know, but he's also stockier and stuff. Like his skill set and his body type doesn't really, you know, warrant playing that much. It just doesn't do any good for him as time goes on. We mentioned how – yeah, a lot of that injury was probably because of that from his freshman year and talked about the career he could be having if he only didn't play in 10 games two years ago. So they got to manage it better 100%. We were trying to iron out, Noah, let's think about like minutes for like bench players or, you know, if we if we give Marcus a number, let's get everyone else in that starting five I mentioned. Let's say that is it. X, Lance, Marcus, uh, Clarence, and J.D., Talk about like maybe around what number could be their minutes and even points per game because we were talking about that earlier. Dive into what you think maybe minutes-wise for certain players starting in rotation and on the bench and then maybe like points per game, what it could be like. And we'll we'll talk about more of like, yeah, being a better offensive team. You don't have to do points per game maybe, but talk about the minutes, about what number everybody should maybe be at. That would make sense. Yeah, obviously um, you're probably going to see – we just talked about him. Marcus play a lot of minutes. He's probably going to be in the mid thirties. I would probably higher 35, 36 a game. I would expect. Um, don't think things will change. Um, I think Lance um, probably around 30, you could say high twenties, low thirties for him, probably him and Xavier. Um but the bigs, I, I can see the bigs playing 
11, 12 to maybe up to 15 minutes per game um, with the rotation we have. Um, be interesting to see how they do it. Because um, guys coming off the bench don't know exactly um, how many minutes they could play. Um, but if you start those guys, those guys are going to play a lot. Um, but with the depth, um, Trent's going to get minutes. We know expect Dalton to play a lot of minutes. Um, just thinking overall, like to see AJ and Foster. I mean, there's the depth is crazy because um, tr- Troy's got to have his minutes. It's going to be um, really interesting to see how they bring this rotation. Um, but we expect the carry minutes wise to carry the load, and obviously Marcus Lance and Xavier. Yeah, some things that are interesting because I'm going back and looking. I didn't look at Marcus's. We know it was really high. You mentioned earlier one of the tops in the country. Uh, Lance was about 30. That was about where he was the year before that. Xavier, when he was on George Mason, I know teams are different, but just showing the workload that they can take on, he averaged 30, 31, actually, if you're rounding up in 28 games. He got hurt, I guess, the year prior, only played 19 minutes a game in 21 games. So expect him to obviously play a lot. Clarence, he played in 30 games. We know at the end of his conference tournament, he didn't play, but how pivotal he was in the tournament. He played about 13, and you said it. It's about – every big needs to be about 11 to 13, all depending. Yeah, J.D. played 15. We know that's because we're great at depth at big last year. Uh, Troy had 13, so that seems about right for him. I'd say close to 15 or more if we expect him to be pivotal. Can't even look at Trent's, Noah, but when we know when he was a freshman, he averaged 21, and the year with no Marcus where Trent had to be big – he played 33, so we know – and he's coming off injuries, but he's fine. A lot of those guys can take on a lot of this workload. Jawan even played 32 for Evansville. Different team here with talent, but he can play that much even off his injury. So they can definitely spread out. I'd say if Jawan needs to be one of our highest scores and our sixth man needs to be around, you know, high 20s potentially, he could be in a closing rotation, Noah, Uh and which we were talking about that earlier, like I said, all these will be what they are. We'll get better looks down the road. This is just predicting. If you were to pick a closing lineup, and it's depending on matchups as well in a game, you're a go-to closing lineup for this team. Who, who are you choosing? Yeah, I think I think down the stretch in a lot of games, um, you're going to see Brian go small. So it's going to be Xavier. It's going to be Lance. You'll see Jawan. You'll see Marcus. And I think they'll put Troy at the five. They'll just go small ball. Agreed. And we we saw, I mean, Troy and Marcus actually played really well together. And I think that's when Troy could have honestly played his best at times was when he was arguably the five and he was out there with Marcus. So we did point that out at times. So quick things here. Now I'll get your thoughts on before we get into some X factors and even question marks. Uh, Some things we like to see this year. We didn't see it last year. Granted, Trent was hurt. Stephen Verplanken was scared to shoot. We know about it. Um, and about who – you know, Cash was arguably our best shooter, probably percentage-wise and in general, even though Steven was probably that, but way less attempts. Lance struggled from three last year. Marcus was good. Noah, because we have Foster and a healthy Trent Brown, doesn't it make sense to be able to set more plays for shooters? We were talking about that earlier. A lot of teams do it. It would make sense for us to. you got to – if you struggled in the dang game the other night, you got to be able to make it happen. Uh, Noah, that – Setting plays for shooters 
and then potentially zone opportunities. We know Brian loves man. We talked about that, but no, this team has the makings of potential zone, whether it's even worth talking about. And if we could even see, it. I don't even know if Brian's tenure, how many times we've been zone, but dive into those two topics. Yeah, I really think um, the three point shooting's got to be better this year. Um, obviously, um, you have some guys that can really shoot the ball. Um, you would think with Trent being healthy, that's going to improve. Um, a guy like Foster, if he's coming off the bench, AJ can shoot a little bit. Juwan X can shoot it. Um, Lance will be better from three this year. Um, obviously, Marcus hits a lot of his. Um, expect Dalton be better from three this year because he, you saw last year at the end of last year, Dalton was getting left wide open. So um, expect he's been working on all that. Um, we know Troy can knock down a three if he's left open. Um, but yeah, it, it's got to be, they got to draw some plays. Obviously, I think um, with Xavier and Lance both on the floor, um, there'll be more opportunities to get those paint touches that Brian preaches and be able to kick out for opportunities for better looks because I think people are going to collapse um, when those two drive and with the big. If you don't dish up big for a layup, you'll be able to kick open for an open three. So I think that percentage will be higher this year, and we'll be able to get some better looks from three this year. Um, but, yeah, it would be interesting to see maybe a little bit of zone. Um, I, if I recall, I'm maybe seeing it once since Brian's been here. I want to say maybe. I have no idea. I think I remember it, but not quite. But they could definitely. Um, we talked about rotations earlier. If they go big, um, wouldn't be surprised to see maybe a zone with uh, Clarence and JD down low. Um, you could go two, three, um, different zones you could go, but it'd be interesting if you put those guys, um, depending who you start, say you started Troy, um, it'd be interesting to put Troy on the point of a zone for a three, two with Lance and Xavier on the sides and having obviously Marcus and one of the bigs, whoever starts a big um, down low, would be interesting to see. But I think uh, a lot of – you'll see a lot of man, obviously, um, with the style of play Brian likes to play. But I think with this with certain matchups, um, certain teams you play in certain lineups, you can mix in a really good zone um, if it's taught right and played right. Exactly, and I think that – narrows down to how good you can coach in game because we see zones just flip, you know, out of nowhere in the middle of the game when you make adjustments and how teams are playing. If you, you know, force them to, you know, get into those, uh, you know, penetrate gaps or even like let them shoot or just, just because we, and I mentioned earlier about Dana Ford saying that with a team that he has, we're going to pressure more. And I feel like knowing the team that you have, you can maybe do that. I'm, I'm not saying it hasn't hit their minds on doing it. I think that, you know, they think that we have a lot of dogs on the team to be able to get after guys man-to-man. But imagine an Xavier and Lance at the top swarming people. That would be incredible. And you have Clarence, J.D., two really good defenders. And you got Marcus, who we saw him play some straight-up defense in those highlights. We know he's struggled in defense in his career. But if he's got J.D. and, you know, he's got whoever the guard at the top is helping him, Potentially, if who's got corner and the wing and all that, I think it could work out. And I, again, yeah, I don't think we're going to see it, but I think, you know, like I said, if quality, I feel like staffs and coaches can know you can flip it in a game 
or even started a game, at least try it out. And that's where maybe those three games you mentioned earlier are not saying in the middle of the season before conference, you just dish it out. You want to like have an idea of it before. Every team, I think, has an idea of a zone throughout a year, whether you, whether you use it or not. We know Syracuse uses it constantly and stuff. Some teams do, but I think with this kind of personnel, I think it'd be vital to do it. I would, I would be excited to see it without a doubt. And going back to the shooters real fast, we know Noah that, I think Marcus and Trent were at each other. And Marcus has been great his whole career. Trent's had moments when he's healthy of greatness that they play better when they're both on the court and Marcus is able to find Trent open, find each other. Haven't you said that before that maybe they can feed off each other and Trent's at his best when Marcus, excuse me, is out there. And then, um, because we've talked earlier, like Trent could have one of the games against Butler I think you you said earlier that you would like to obviously see that. And I think with that team and its steps compared to the opportunities on this team, but no, I, Trent can obviously do that. Marcus, I'm, I want to see the assists he had in that Butler game again or for Trent. No, they they feed really well off each other. Now that they're both healthy, I think we can thrive shooting the ball that way. They are a perfect pair in that regard, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think you'll see a more. I'm not saying he's going to go off or. 24 points I think he had in that game but I think you'll see more scoring out of Trent Brown because um, like I mentioned earlier I think with him and Marcus um, spacing the floor and uh, with a big down low I think you're going to see more paint touches um, from Dalton Banks to Xavier um, for Lance um, to kick out to Trent um, to have those opportunities because um, unlike guys we've had on this team before Kind of scared, but he hasn't. He's not afraid to pull the trigger. Um, you saw him get hot in that Butler game. Um, I expect to see a more um, better, healthy Trent Trent Brown this year. Um, I'm excited to see it. And I want to say uh, that I think Marcus, when he's at his best, and that's the thing with knowing how he'll be used this year. And I was going to dive into some stats in general. Like whenever he uh, – when he was shooting his best from three-point line, which was his freshman year, he shot 40% from three, 39.7. That's when we had moments of being that team of, you know, proving people wrong and being the team we were picked. He made 54 threes his first year, only made 43 last year. You could see Marcus at times that would – he's a great three-point shooter. He'd miss a lot of easy ones. But if we got him more looks, I think we can, even in his regard of being a, you know, being a great shooter to help the team because, you know, knowing how he doesn't need to have not only his minutes, but in terms of having everything worked through him, I think we literally said after the season, you can't move forward doing that because, yeah, he'll could shrink against high caliber teams. And we know he struggles to get off the ground at times against athletic people that you don't need to run everything through him, but because he's such a good passer to find these shooters, if you have him like a, a high post look to be able to make things happen and use his strength against the guy in the post, I think a lot of options are there, but I don't think they, I don't think this team makes it to where they, you know, he can, you know, they're going to use him that way. So it's all wait and see. Cause if he's the best player, he's going to be the main focus for us going into games and for teams to prepare against him that it's be interesting to see how they use him. Cause like I said, if, it's all around him. We don't have the depth for that. That's maybe why at times we struggled at the end of games and such. And he wears out at the end of games. Remember what game it was the Drake home game where 
it took forever to try to get him the ball. And then when he finally got it and tried to shoot, zeros were on the clock and we lost. So you can't just be solely on Marcus doing everything and it's passing though to find those shooters. That's important. So Noah, quickly, X factors and biggest question marks. If you were to point out, we can do a couple. We have a lot of potential uh, X factors on this team. Give me yours, maybe another one, and maybe what your biggest question mark, either team-wise, because we'll get into some things, difference between this year's team to what last year's team did, hopefully hoping for some differences, maybe something that's a question mark going into the next year. Yeah, I definitely think I definitely think there's some X factors um, on this team. Um, but my, I got two. I think you just talked about one, and it's Trent Brown. If he's healthy and he's able to knock down open shots, that's just going to open more things um, for everybody else, take the pressure, um, because if he's on the floor um, and teams and Marcus is getting double teamed in the post, um, you're going to have guys. I think Trent Brown's a big X factor on this team. Um, then I think the second one, I think it's the health of J.D. Mula. He's finally back got better during the stretch last year and he just brings the energy and the effort and uh, just really can get this team going. Um, I think he improves his offensive numbers and are going to be a lot better this year. Um, I think he is a guy that can average about six points a game and he can go get you eight rebounds a game. Um, I think JD being fully healthy, finally getting in the groove, um, playing Division One basketball, I finally I think he's he's back at it, and I can't wait to see him. I love that pick because because imagine the workload he had last year off of injuries. If he's healthy, and because since he's here, he's going to play a lot. We know, like we said, he's probably going to start. So, and we know his struggles from the free throw line. I mean, some of the other bigs. I think Scotty, we saw in a you know in an and one, he finished the exhibition last year. I mean, Clarence shot. Let me look here again. He shot 52% from the free throw line last year. Seems like he should improve because he's an overall better shooter. JD is going to be around that number again, hopefully improve a little bit. That's where he, you know, that takes a couple points off the board for JD because he got fouled at least three times a game and went one for whatever, if he even made one. And everyone in the crowd was, you know, reacting to his release and just the fact that he bricks him and stuff. So hopefully that, that improves. I love that pick though. I like that you went off the rails in terms of, other key important players and ones that have been here and that will be healthy. And I was just going to go chalk in terms of saying the personnel with players that will be the biggest for the team. And Xavier sticks out to me really excited because he does take the ball out of Lance's hands at all times, and Lance plays great off the ball. Noah, as we remember, Jawan Newton, who's also an X-Factor I was going to get to him with his scoring ability and having that spark off the bench of scoring that we haven't had. He said in that, you know, in the dog pound with Brian, that would you rather guard 6'10, 260 Scotty in the post or guard Xavier, you know, full court? And he chose Scotty in the post because he said Xavier's way too fast. I think that is why, if him and Lance, granted, could both be out of control with that play style, and that wreaks havoc. We mentioned Missouri State, if they press us, we like our chances with Lance and Xavier outside of decision making being able to just burn people and hopefully we can be a better transition team this year. Lance and Xavier running the show in that regard. I think Xavier can, he's got that dog. We said we need these dogs. He's one of them important for Xavier to have that. Cause that duo, you said one of the best backcourts in the, in the conference, it needs to be, you need to be one of the best duos for sure on the team of their chemistry. I mentioned Juwan and then the other new guy, Clarence, I think 
from what we saw in the tournament compared to what he needs to be here, I mentioned maybe a little thin, probably not. If he can shoot a little bit and know we're going to need him to, because there's a lot of good, big, versatile players in the Valley. And when you play teams like SLU and Oklahoma State, UNLV, potentially Minnesota, you're going to need players to guard, you know, those kinds of wings and stuff. And I think that's obviously important. We know JD can. Scotty has great feet. Brian said he's had, he has great feet for a big man. But Clarence needs to be that in-betweener of a forward and a center that can guard those guys. I don't want to put those expectations of great defense because we talked about what he can be, and that's why he's a little bit of a question mark as well because he's got a lot on his shoulders to live up to this year. I got Clarence for that. Who do you got for maybe player-wise or team-wise? We'll start with player-wise, maybe a question mark going in. Yeah, I think it's – I'm going to stay on the offensive side of the ball. I think it's scoring. Um, We're in the – obviously, it's a scrimmage. We're in the 50s. Um, without Lance, obviously, but um, like I've said before, I think this team's a little – the style of play, we can't play in the 50s. If we're not averaging mid – at least mid-60s, um, hopefully higher, higher 60s, lower 70s this year scoring-wise, which obviously I think will happen, but my biggest worry is scoring guys not – maybe going cold shooting wise, but I think scoring is my biggest worry. Um, Obviously we have more guys that we think can score the ball with more ease, but I think scoring wise is going to be the biggest problem. It's always going to be the biggest problem because um, playing the style of defense, Brian wants to play. It takes so much out of the guys for the other end. So I'm going to stick with the scoring. Great point, and I think that can be a con of Forborn U is all of that. Uh, talk about how you play. You're right. If you have all your energy, and that's where our, our depth, if guys get tired, we can have the same fresh of guys that can come in and do the same thing defensively, and hopefully you can count on them to score. Yeah, we, we scored 64 a game last year. We know we, we allowed probably 60, and that jumped at times and such, but I 100%. I mean, and that shows you – if we didn't shoot well from three and we still scored in the fifties against Kansas state, they allowed us to still score and be around the same score as them. Even with shooting bad, you had Lance's production in there along with, I think that shows that we were good in the paint potentially. You never know. I mean, I want to say I didn't even, I think I maybe saw Scotty in those highlights. I don't recall, but just thinking about the players that we're going to have that potential to score is, you know, I, I think we'll definitely – and if, if it was 64 last year, that actually seems kind of uh, high. I would say easily you want to – the minimum you want to hit is 60, 65, but that's still probably too low. You want to hit close to 70 and get up there. And we talked about the production. I mean, Steven, he was fourth on the team in scoring average, only seven, and he shot probably four times a game if that. Skyler four, or Kyler four points. J.D. with three if that bounces. Anthony was hurt. It's just the difference of team. Ben Harvey would have helped our scoring last year. We know what happened with him. We're too deep in scoring to not score at least 70, and that does dictate if you're wearing yourself out on the defensive end, for sure. And I th- I'm going to say well, low 70s, mid-70s to score, and that seems like a lot, but with the depth and the potential of scoring we have on this team, I don't think it's obviously too out of question. If I were to pick a player for question mark, maybe AJ, just because he is coming from D2. We talked about and he's still so young as well. 
is he in a red shirt? Not thinking so. He was playing in that in the highlights for that Kansas State game. And you mentioned it earlier about his defense. Brian probably loves his defense. It's like why, you know, you don't want to keep that off there. If you like a defense, he's going to play. And we know he's really athletic. So it's just wondering how he's going to fit in. He, clearly being a second unit, I'm not sure exactly how that's going to fit with 6'6", 185. And he's been on the videos and pictures. I think he's got to be pivotal. He, I mean, all the new guys are X-Factors, even the Fosters of the Scotty in terms of having him in there. And I think the other question mark is just how they're going to use Foster. I think we've been wondering that forever. Of Now that he's sat a year, he's learned a lot, that he can maybe come in and be confident. We question how maybe his confidence just got out of hand his freshman year, and that was a key component to him redshirting. So in terms of those roles, I don't think there's any question marks with any of the main guys, probably. It's just the ones that can fill out this depth and how much they're going to play and be a factor. So I'll go with those. I think that's all we had in terms of that. And in terms of, you know, differences between last year's team and this year's team, we mentioned the scoring. It seems like, Noah, we're obviously way more athletic this year. That shows in the new players we've had. And you add Scotty in the mix who takes over for a one-legged Anthony Diabonzo and such. Yeah, I'd say we're going to be way, way more athletic this year. Uh, and I mentioned earlier, better in transition. That seems like a no-brainer as well. With the quickness and stuff we have on this team, I can see Clarence running the floor really well and stuff. So, I mean, J.D. did, so we can expect Clarence too. And then uh, we mentioned defense. If we were so good in defense last year. You add bodies on here. A.J.'s defense, Jawan's always been a good defender. Xavier can get after a guy. And Clarence, I think it's easily could be better. Maybe not in terms of – then I would say, obviously, allowing points per game on defense, but just the eye test of it seems like for sure. Noah, final thoughts on – you know, about this and differences between last year and this year's team outside of scoring that you would like to see, maybe even how to finish games better potentially. What else do you have on the differences we would clearly like to see this year from last? Yeah, I would think I'd like to see um, maybe a little bit of the rotations uh, handled a little better um, coming out or maybe coming out of timeouts better a little bit. Um Obviously, end-of-game end situations um, have to be a 1,000% better because um, it was hard to watch last year because um, if it came down to the last play, didn't have very many, very much confidence. Um, and then putting in a score at the end of a game if it came out of a timeout or something like that. Um, so um, rotations, like we mentioned, we've talked a lot about Marcus. Um, and those rotations, you got to find ways to get him – a little bit more rest, but um, end-of-game scenarios have to be um, one of the biggest keys for us to be better this year. Easily agree with all of that. And it's, it's figuring out who can be a better shooting team this year with knowing Foster and Trent are our best ones. You can count on Lance and Marcus. We talked about, you know, Jawan's going to get his mid-range game and at the rim that you can't, you know, him and Xavier aren't the best shooters and you count on Clarence to maybe shoot. It's not, you know, too ideal, obviously. So, and Troy can do it, but not at a great clip. You only have a certain amount of set shooters and good shooters, I think, that that will be something going in, depending upon how much Foster plays and Trent is involved. And even AJ, I don't think, can shoot all that well either. So, it, you know, the new guys can't really can't shoot, but I would think that obviously we can be better at that and, you know, Lance's struggles potentially to lead the way. So, yeah, a lot of differences, but. The team was last year was good at things. It's just when you're 
more this deep now. You just got to be better at certain things. We had a lot of struggles last year, hoping that can fix this year. So outside of that, Noah, I mean, we've covered a lot here uh, and things will change as the season comes down into the regular season for sure of how you see us play out. But the Alabama game will be an indication. Hopefully Lance can play. We'll dive into that in a second. Noah, quickly, when we look at the schedule about potential wins and losses, we don't have to go through every single game, but games to you that stick out that we could potentially drop or win, you know, in turn, or you can go through them all, but point out the, cause obviously it can be an indication of, and get in the conference as well. What our record could be. We're eyeing to be a 20 win team this year. Like which games you think we will drop. And obviously that'll mean the ones that you don't say the ones will win. Let's dive into that quickly. Yeah. What I did, uh, I said, I just said in basically in my head, I said what I think an over-under should be if I were Vegas on this team. I said it at 18 and a half. I think that's pretty fair. I think we should be a 21, a 20 win team or more. Um, I think we won't, if we, if you don't win 20 games um, with this schedule, I don't think um, we'll finish where we want to this year. Obviously, I think you'll drop Oklahoma State's a big one. Um, potentially, um, I think you'll lose one um, in the SoCal Challenge. Um, either I think we have a very really good chance to beat UNLV, but I think you could drop that one. But I think if you get past UNLV, you'll drop to Minnesota. Um, I think slew on the road. I think they're just really too talented for us. Um, but obviously, um, going into Valley play, um, the teams that we think are top five, um, obviously, you have to split with them. We got to be better. Obviously, that's an aspect. As a team, we can talk or, or say that has to be better this year in starting to beat those top teams. So I'd say if you can split with the top teams, I think we'll have a really good year. Yeah, and I, you mentioned earlier about some things that we have to be better at or we'll be a Thursday team and reminding everybody that it's a wider Thursday night or Thursday, and there's only four teams that move on out of Thursday. So it's important, obviously, yeah, to, to win those kind of gaming conference, to get in that top four. It's hard to gauge the teams that you're going to go in as a really high underdog with. If you play at Stillwater against the top 30 Oklahoma State team, it's really hard to say if you'll win. You never know, but you can't really say. It's hard to say. Like, we want to win, sure. And you said the number. I agree with that because 20 is a goal. We've gotten the 20 under Barry uh, before, so we've done it in recent years and hoping to finally do it with this team. There's really no reason to because, yeah, if you – those question mark games you need to win at USI. You need to be, beat Tennessee State. So your record of three and one going into the SoCal Challenge, it's tough. I mean, that's why this tournament's good. This little one is UNLV can be a coin flip. Minnesota, I think, could be too good. Potential of knocking them both off is high, or not high. It's like middle high. I was kind of just free talking there. Uh, and then Cal Baptist, we'll go through them whenever we talk about it. They're no slouch. So even if you lose the first game. And surely Minnesota beats Cal Baptist. That, that second game is not going to be tough. So you want to win at least one there. But if you can obviously beat those good teams, and like I said, you never know against the teams you're going in as an underdog against. SLU, I agree. That'll be so tough to win at their place. And that place rocking with how good and deep they are. I don't think we'll win that one either. Hoping we can. Then after that, four straight home games, three against the bad teams. Indiana State, hope can win. Other than that, at SEMA will be tough. Expecting to win that one. Then you get into like at Murray State and some of these new teams that 
you're right. These top ones we need to split with, and it's known you still need to sweep Evansville, um, which we talk about, you know, their game's November 30th. We'll get a first look at them. And then just, yeah, I mean, it's tough to say even you – no game's given, so it's really hard to say. That's why I'm glad you ended up having the idea of setting a number because I'd say all right, the idea is 20, 18 and a half is probably good, 19, 20, 21. It's tough to just pick at which games. Hey, you want to you want to sweep the bottom teams, but you just never know. And then – yeah, and then split. You're going to get swept maybe by somebody. You just never know how a game play out. You hope the game's close. It's just too hard to predict. So I like the number you set there. So we'll keep it at that. And I hopefully that can be a goal as time goes on. You never know. So with all that being said, Noah, let's end here before we so – maybe a quick preview to our pod next week and our matchup. Let's talk about Alabama Crimson Tide. Talk about what they are going into the season. We know they – you know, I think they went out relatively early in the tournament last year. We'll talk about maybe some players that have, some players that won't have in this game where they're picked in the SEC preseason. You can start with that if you want. Recruiting class, everything. It's always good. Dive into that. And we'll dive into them a little bit. Yeah, um, this is a really good team, like I said earlier. Um, going to be, obviously, a great opportunity um, to see. Um, but just real quick, I was as I was – going through the schedule on the website. Um, obviously, we've talked about there is the live stats button on there, but now there is a listen option, so hopefully maybe we can listen maybe through the week. Maybe they'll end up with a maybe a stream or something. We can actually watch the game, but maybe at least we can listen to it. Um, that'd be pretty cool see how we do. Um, but the live stats are going to be really helpful. Um, but, yeah, this is a team, um, like, I meant, like I said earlier, top 25 team. Brought a top, finished, had a top three uh, recruiting class coming in this year. Um, I think they were picked fourth in the preseason poll. Um, really good team. Um, Nate Oates has really taken that program from not good to really good, really with some transfers. Obviously, they're going to be without Javon Quinterly, a really good player. Um, hopefully, he has a, hopefully, he can come back at some point. Um, but this team's really loaded, like I said, bringing in some really good recruits. Um, they they had a secret scrimmage against TCU. Um, I think they barely lost that. TCU is going to be really good in the Big 12. Um, but just some guys um, that could cause matchup problems with us. Um, going to be a really interesting guard matchup, I think, um, even without Cornerly. Um, they have Ohio transfer and Mark Sears um, that averaged nine, or 20 a game. Um, for Ohio last year. So he's going to be interesting matchups here. He comes in there and plugs it in right away. Um, they have Namari Burnett, a Texas Tech transfer. Um, he missed last season with an ACL. So he's coming back. Um, he's going to be a tough – I think him and Lance can match up pretty well. Um, two bigger body guards. I'm excited to see that kind of matchup. But really, really our mismatch is going to be on the the wings and the inside. Um, inside at center, they have Charles Bidiaco, a seven footer, um, a guy that's really improved his scoring. He's a really good rim protector at that size, so he can cause some problems with our bigs. Exciting, it's gonna be interesting to see how we do inside with our bigs. Um, but a guy that I think is gonna give us fits, he scored 33 against TCU, and that's top 15 recruit from the state of Tennessee, and Brandon Miller. Um, he's 6'9". He's a very slender 6'9". 
Um, but he can score at all levels. Um, I'm not sure who even to start with to say try to match up with him. Um, but like I said, top three recruiting class, some other good players. Um, top 25 recruiting Jaden Bradley at IMG Academy. He was number three point guard in the 2022 class. And uh, they got some other transfers, um, a guy from Furman and Noah Gurley inside as well at 6'8". Um, I think um, if they start who I think they will start this year without Quinn Early, um, I think at 6'9", Brandon Miller will be their three. So um, I'm not sure how we match up with them. Yeah. <clears throat> I can't even really say, honestly, even without – Javon Quinley looks like his brother's on the team as well, <clears throat> which he'll factor in. You mentioned some of the players there. If he's dropping 33 against TCU, who's projected a top 15 team this year probably, that's tough. I mean, you're right. And you said their matchup for him, you know, if, you know, last year I think we would have said, oh, a cash. This year we can say a couple more, but it's hard to say this is where – and he's just going to give us buckets. I mean, that's a guarantee. It's just the fact that maybe we can – like. Clarence just comes to mind at that size and his versatility that you want to eye a matchup like that along in the season in the conference play. They don't have players of this caliber, but just the fact that that's why it's a great game for the players to play these guys to move on. And granted it's at the beginning of the year, it's a game that doesn't count, but you know, move on to conference play and battle test. That's a long gap in between. A lot of things can happen in between, but they're always good. You mentioned, yeah, Nate Oates, Brian knows him, but we remember we played them twice when Barry was coach in back-to-back years. Uh, remember the day I graduated in 18, we were playing him, and we almost beat him at least once or maybe twice both of those games. So we're familiar with Nate Oates. As he knows SIU, and I think that had a lot to do with maybe him scheduling us if we were willing and they were looking for people. Personnel-wise, it's not even close. This is a game, depending, and you know, obviously we're thinking Lance plays in this game. Not sure with his concussion. Brian talked about him on Sunday in that interview, which was the day after he didn't play because of concussion. He talked about he's healthy. So maybe they're keeping that close. And, again, again, this is information that we're getting about why he didn't play. You know, we'll never know if he did. No one's going to ask and say anything. Maybe Mike will at some point about how he didn't play. Doubt it, though. That's a game nobody wants to know about that they don't want anybody to know about. But personnel-wise, it's going to be tough for sure. And I'm expectations of just trying to keep it close and they're going to have tickets. Like, yeah, we'll be able to listen to it, keep up with it. That's the biggest thing. And uh, just getting these kinds of matchups, knowing who we're going to start and everything, and just keeping it close with a healthy Lance maybe in this game to have a chance. Because even with Javon Quinley out, one of their best players, it, it won't matter. And they are, they are a problem. You mentioned them all. They have great size. We could say that we're not going to win. Just keep it within 15 points maybe. It's going to be tough at their place. Like we said, the other game was in a neutral court. Nobody was in attendance. People will be in attendance with this game. So it's going to be a raucous atmosphere. Expect to get killed. But like I said, in this game, we just want to know what the rotations are like, who's playing, who's doing what. And that will be the main focus of all this, Noah. So uh, quickly, I guess, well, because we said we'll preview Little Rock, There's, we know they're a different team. We don't have to give maybe a sneak peek unless you have one. If you do, go ahead. Even if you don't, kick us into your final thoughts. Yeah, obviously excited for the opportunity um, that we're going to have Saturday. Um, obviously, like we going through them, I don't know exactly um, how to match up with the team with the length and size um, that they have. 
Um, but yeah, just a little sneak peek um, of a team that we went, obviously we got to make the trip down to Little Rock last year. Um, and it was pretty exciting to experience a new place. Um, but this is a team that it's, it's revenge time. And uh, obviously they lost a lot last year. Um, coming back from their team, obviously they're making the jump over into the OVC, and obviously the OVC is down, so they could win the OVC. We'll break them down a little bit more, um, but I expect them to be – I forget where they're picked off the top of my head. expect top three, I would say, or top five at least in the OVC because they're a pretty good team. Um, they have Daniel Egab. Bounier, six seven freshman coming in. I think we reached out to him a little bit. I just remember, um, but they bring back their whole starting five in Marich, the big man that gave us fits. Oh, uh, we got we got a big man that we got some big men that can battle battle him better. Uh, Myron Gardner, who didn't play against us, that was banged up. Um, but yeah, they got some really good, really good players, and obviously um, they bring in. Uh, a really good freshman that I did not mention yet in four-star guard, Jordan Shorter. So um not sure how they're landed four stars, but um, they're doing it down there. Coach Walker um, has that program going into the right direction, and they're joining the OVC. So expect um, – can't wait to break them down next week. Yeah, we did enjoy going there no matter how that game ended up. We know – if we just recall, like Anthony uh, – you know, play a little bit in that game, and we found out over time that he wasn't going to play. It was a good indication. He matched up with that big man, and, yeah, it was kind of a struggle right away. We turned it over 20-something times, 23 times or something. So it was kind of like a wish-washy game, and we were only lost by three, so it is payback time. So, yeah, we will cover them for sure. Uh, they're kind of new look, but there are players that killed us last year that will be a factor in that one. That'll be – we mentioned how – what the Dog Pound's doing with those games. We'll talk about it all next week. Overall, yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed the uh, team preview. That's from what we expect for the for the team and what, you know, obviously maybe what people can expect, a little bit more dive into like the personnel and our thoughts on it because we do take pride in knowing a lot and expecting, you know, or, you know, kind of eyeing what to expect and everything. So hope everybody enjoyed it with everything. It's the fact that it's here pretty much now. Like we said, I think next Thursday we'll have the preview for you guys. Looking forward to it, how close it is. Only 12 days away, so get your tickets now. Brian's been parading. He did on the pod. He did everywhere else. They want to pack the place, and it, it would be ideal, very, to obviously maybe not sell it out. It's hard to do that. We did it against Missouri State last year, the picture everybody knows about. It would be nice to get close to it to honor this team that we expect is going to be good. Hopefully we can show out. Students are there and everything. It should be a great night for that night. So, again, we will preview them on Thursday. This was a good one. So for Nick Malone. No alerts. As always, see you next week. Go dogs.